Hey everybody, welcome to Elder Speak, the official podcast of uh, ElderGeek.com. I'm your host, Randy, and you are listening to issue number 57. With me this week, as always, I've got Gavin. Hey everybody, took you a while for the uh, site name there. Yeah, I kind of forgot who the hell we, you know, yeah. write for, even <laughs> though it's us. We write for ourselves, but I forgot our name. So anyway, let's, uh, you know, we've actually got a pretty short show lined up this week. We've, we've got a, we actually had a really, really big Big week this week uh, on the site, but actually not a whole lot of news coming out, um, just because it's post E3 and everybody's kind of still, you know, trickling out their big announcements and stuff. So, I don't know. What do you think, Gavin? Should we get started? Yeah, sure. Let's get started. Uh, let's get started with a man that we all love to hate personally within the gaming community, and uh, aside from Jack Thompson, he's pretty up there. Uh, this is Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision, and he wants subscription-based Call of Duty. Uh, in a recent interview with the Wall Street Journal, he explained, and I quote, "Out of Call of Duty be an online subscription service tomorrow. When you think about what the audience's interests are and how you could really satisfy bigger audiences with more inspired creative opportunities, I would love to see us have an online Call of Duty world. I think our players would just have so much more of a compelling experience. Well, I, me never being into the Call of Duty experience to begin with, uh, Randy, what are your thoughts? Do you want a Call of Duty MMO? Um, you know, I think it's a pretty interesting concept, the whole Call of Duty MMO. It's not a new one by any means. I think that's what DICE was kind of going for when they made Battlefield 1942. You know, when Battlefield 1942 came out, that was when MMOs were also kind of picking up as well. So, you know, this whole massive online game of war. Um, I think it's a good idea. I think, um, an MMO war game would be a good idea, but, um, I don't know how much people will pay for that to be honest with you. Well, I think uh, we should look up the stats for MAG and see how well that did, because that would be a pretty good indicator. Yeah, but MAG actually, MAG was its own uh, beast. You know, MAG could have been a better game than Call of Duty, but it probably would have still sold less just because it doesn't have the Call of Duty name on it. Mm -hmm. You know? So I I think Bobby Kotick actually has something going for himself here. If he did make it a subscription-based thing, there will be a thousand million gamers that'll be really pissed off, but he would still make a big profit. And for those of you paying attention, a thousand million is also known as a billion. Or a jillion. Anderson. (laughs) Yes, there's always time for a (laughs) ten-year-old television reference. And speaking of ten-year-old television, or in this case probably 15, 20 years, Pac-Man is coming back to TV. Getting close to 30 there, actually. (laughs) Well, uh, in terms of the game, but he had a television show in the 80s, I want to think. It's part of the Supercade series of television shows. But he's coming back, and he's coming back courtesy of Marvel producer Avi Arad, who you know as the executive producer of everything Marvel has done ever, especially this uh, straight-to-DVD sequels and all of that. And this is part of the uh, new Marvel TV company or production front that Marvel and Disney just put up, and they're planning to... Just put out a lot more TV content, direct-to-TV uh, TV content, and direct-to-DVD content. But we have the most details right now on Pac-Man, and apparently it's going to be tackling some serious issues. So i got a quote here from um, Arad. Let's see what he says here. We feel we have a unique opportunity to have an action-adventure human interest story. As a filmmaker, it's a unique opportunity to get to know the characters you play. We know what happened to Pac-Man's parents. He's the only yellow one in Pac-Land. What does that mean? Is it a social statement? We'll find out. Yeah. Randy? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's just stupid. <laughs> I, 
I, mean, I don't know. Hey, pill addiction is a is a pretty serious issue. I think Pac-Man, you know, is good is a good platform for that. Just you know, rephrase that as pellet addiction. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, <laughs> I don't know why they would need to tackle such you know adult themes at all with Pac-Man. I think Pac-Man would be a great kids show if they were to make one because. I come on this Pac-Man. You know, people that that grew up playing Pac-Man are now adults. They have kids. If their kids are going to be watching Pac-Man on TV, they can say, "Hey, I used to play that game all the time when I was a kid," and watch the show with them. So, you know, that's what they kind of need to be going for. I, I have, yeah, I have very very little memories of the Supercade, and in particular Pac-Man. I know there was a Pac-Wife. I'm not sure if she was called Pac-Woman, and there is Pac-Baby. And, Mrs. Pac-Man. Yeah. Well, Ms. And, I, actually, no. The wife is not Miss Pac-Man, or at least she doesn't. Uh, her style greatly differed from the Miss Pac-Man of the arcade. Yeah, because but, she had hair. Yeah, and of course a, a lighter bow color but and a lighter skin color, which again, you can probably go back to why is Pac-Man's the darkest yellow character in Pac-World? I I don't know. That's... I mean, people are just trying to throw serious issues in everything these days, and <laughs> if this is the one thing they mess up on in the new Marvel TV front, I'll be happy because then they don't screw up everything else. Right. But, uh, again, this is all we have right now, so that's unfortunately all we can give you, but keep it tuned to Elder Geek. This is not something we're going to let slip through the cracks, if you know what I mean. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on, shall we? Let's yes. move on. Um, you know, a, a pretty good segue. Pac-Man to China. Specifically, China is enforcing new online gaming regulations. Now, uh, we have, we've, the, excuse me, the Chinese internet user base has expanded greatly and it's only expected to blow up even further in the next few years so the chinese ministry of culture has put a new series of regulations into place that puts pretty strict rules on online games uh let's check it out see here see what we got games targeting minors may no longer contain any content that it that is or would be deemed to be in conflict with the social norms of the law very specific there absolutely no no ability to uh, loophole that at all no. Further unwholesome content in an online games, such as pornography, violence, gambling, and content related to superstitions or cults, may be made inacceptable and inacceptable to inaccessible. I cannot speak today to users under the age of 18. Virtual items may no longer be bought with real money, and minors will be banned from engaging in virtual online transactions in general. Apparently, children in China are just absolutely completely unfunctional as human beings. But of course, this is just the tip. We don't even have all of them yet, and. I don't think we're going to get all of them unless you want us to move to China, which I don't think is going to happen. But it seems like a pretty, pretty strict um, federal hit against the online gaming market. But uh, I want to know what Randy thinks. It, it is a pretty strict hit against uh, against the gaming market over there. But, you know, uh, game makers are going to – they'll try to fight the loophole of, you know, that it's – Games, quote unquote, targeted towards minors. So it's going to be the it's going to be the games that are really kind of on the fringe that are probably going to be hit the hardest. I think. Um, well, I don't I mean, know. How, um, how many MMOs are really targeted to minors? I, I know Free Realms. Um, I guess it's just anything that's not maybe, wow. Maple Story, maybe. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't know, but. Um, I think that's where game makers are going to try to find their loophole is is anything that they say is going to be targeted toward toward minors and and their you know response is going to be well we're not targeting towards minors we're targeting towards eighteen and above you know look see here yeah. um, where it goes from there is you know it's going to be completely up in the air so best of luck to you guys out in China <laughs> absolutely the libertarian in me is not particularly happy right now but I'm in America so 
<laughs> where it's where it's just generally messed up. So uh, yeah, but, yeah. We we actually don't have that. Uh, well, actually, our our political news is slightly different uh, this week. Um, yeah, we got we got a couple, but uh, that's going to be later on in the show. Uh, actually, um, since they're right around the corner, let's go to Korea for a bit. Korean Air specifically, and surprise, surprise, Korea likes StarCraft. Not only do they like StarCraft, they like it enough, the prospective sequel of which, to emblazon an image of it on their planes. Um, And this is, of course, in preparation for the July 27th release of Wings of Liberty, at least the first part. And um, this is an official co-marketing campaign between Blizzard Entertainment and Korean Air. These are B747-400 airliners, and they began flights back when we posted this, so on June 24th. So, rock on Korea. Just go on and keep on doing what you love, man. That's are you awesome. a Star? Are you a StarCraft fan? The last RTS I played was Heroes of Might and Magic 3 when it first came out. So, no. So, not so much. I, gosh, this this hit, you know, this article alone was actually a huge, huge hit on our site. Um, go it's figure. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I, I, there are, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions, so one jillion. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, one jillion, you know, people that are just huge, huge StarCraft fans. I I will play it, will probably suck at it, and will probably sell my copy promptly thereafter. But, um, yeah, way to go, StarCraft. So, everyone, keep it tuned to Randy Asenchok's eBay page for further details. That's right, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's go on to another um, massive franchise that's beloved, if not so much in recent times, Final Fantasy XIV. And on the, of course, the online one, and amidst rumors that it would eventually go multi-platform beyond PS3 and PC, the Square Enix has officially announced their reason for not being on the 360 as of yet, which is they say it's a very limited architecture with Xbox Live. They're saying it just isn't really compatible with their current choice of how they run things. It's different to the normal internet environment, so they wanted to introduce this game in the same environment as PC. So it's just they're not really feeling the Xbox Live right now. But again, this is a bit beyond my expertise. So, Randy, you got any uh, thoughts on it? I was actually just going to ask you a question. Is this is this them? Is this Square saying that they are delaying the release of Final Fantasy XIV because of the Xbox 360? No, or... it's just, it just this is them just stating why they have yet to announce or that why they're not doing a 360 version. They're Aha. not. They're not delaying it at all. I see. Okay, well, that's good news for, you know, MMO gamers. Um, Final Fantasy XI was actually a good MMO for a while. And it was actually Uh, on the 360, launched on there in 2006. Yeah, crazy, right? So it is kind of odd that uh, Square is having, um, I I don't want to call it a change of heart, but I guess, yeah, I guess there's no other way to really put it. Just kind of a change of heart as to how they are going to handle 360s. Indeed. Yeah, huh. Oh, well. Uh, get, you know, get it for your PS3 or your, you know, your PC. MMOs are always just kind of difficult to do on, um, Console. on consoles yeah. anyway. You know, I, um, I'm sure it's a lot different now with the, you know, the inclusion of mic and, you know, uh, mic and voice chat and stuff like that. But just so much more is is nice to have a keyboard with an MMO. Indeed. So sorry, I'm rambling. I'm kind of tired. My eyes are going cross. <laughs> it's cool. We and this is what we tune in for. Um Randy's rants as it were. Yeah. Okay, Randy's well, <laughs> dabbling. 
Indeed, indeed. Well, um, there was one thing I didn't get to play on E3 that I was kind of sad. We uh, we had planned to get everyone on the team together and get some footage of us playing Dance Central, mostly because three out of four of us were white guys, so we thought that would be pretty funny. Unfortunately, we didn't get to touch it, and Harmonix is stating, though, that if you don't have a 360, you still might be able to play it. They said that it's possible on Move, just not on Wii. So let's see what I got here. Um, Alex... Rigopolis, I want to say. Again, I can't pronounce last names. Says that it may not stay exclusive to the Kinect, which, of course, it's being uh, pushed as a launch title at this point in time. Um, reading from the Kotaku article here, Rigopolis said that the team is looking into the possibility of bringing Dance Central to the PlayStation 3 with the help of Move. We think it's possible, he said. The Wii? Not a chance, he said. It's motion tracking doesn't co- motion tracking doesn't collect enough data to and track things in a way that can translate into the sort of dance game that Harmonix would want to make. So you could be holding those um, wand thingies and busting a groove on the PS3 before too long. But as of right now, they have, of course, not uh, announced any version aside from the Kinect and 360-related one. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. You know, she kind of shows quite a bit that you could do with the move, more than I thought you could. Yeah, the initial prospects seem a bit limiting when you actually look at it. It looks indeed like a Wiimote. Right, right. Huh, is this going to be a kind of game that you're going to play? Um, most probably. Really? <laughs> if, so, if someone has it, I'm not going to go out of my way to buy it. Um, I'm probably not going to own any motion control system, at least this year, if not um next year. So I'm in no hurry, but if someone has it and I'm over out of house, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in a couple songs. Yeah? See, as a party game goes, I don't think I would get this one. Why not? A uh, lack of real multiplayer. Like, that was part of the beauty of of uh, Rock Band, was you could have three people going on it at once, you know, while, you know, and if you had more than, you know, more people over there, they could drink and make fun of the people that were actually playing. But with this, it's only one person, and it's very on the spot. You're uh, less on the spot when you're playing with two other people. True. I mean, you, you, can, you can have um, background dancers, but the focus is on one person, so... Yeah, what the hell is a background dancer going to do? Except for, like, you know, drink beer and make air humping motions. Damn straight. Uh, like, just like, <laughs> just like a good uh, backup dancer in real life. That's what I would do. But honestly, this is... It looks like a phenomenal game. Mm. It's just not going to be the kind of game for me. Yep. Well, uh, speaking of Connect, though, one of the things that wasn't mentioned at uh, E3, which was a bit surprising considering its presence last year, was Milo. Project Milo. Of course, the virtual boy that that model talked to for a couple minutes, and Molyneux then talked about it for ten more minutes. Um, wasn't there, but we will be getting it. It is still coming, but it is not coming this year. So it's probably not going to be in the launch library of Connect. Molyneux is known to um, <clears throat> oversell his products, and even in terms <laughs> of the release date, but you still could have your virtual pre-teenage boy on your 360 soon. Isn't that isn't that what we all need? You just said that really creepily. Man. I know. That was... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they intentionally kind of pushed it back a little bit so people would stop paying attention to it? It did become sort of this internet phenomenon to make fun of Milo. Uh, slightly, I suppose. Um, I, yeah, there just didn't seem to be much to it, so I'm not surprised that they kind of glossed over it without even a mention this year. He's, they, you know, they just probably just chalking it up. But they got, they probably got a lot of feedback <laughs> last year. They're probably still mulling that over. Probably. <laughs> well, all of you Milo fans, all three of you in the world, just, it's coming. Be happy. 
Yeah. Be happy for the future. But what's coming to both the 360 and the PS3, it's been rumored for the past couple of months, Hulu Plus is coming. Yay! Of course, the uh, premium version of the streaming site that you can currently get on your PC for free is coming to both PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and iPhone and iPad for $10 a month with ads. So exactly uh, why we're paying $10 a month, that's a bit up in the air. This, of course, is still offering full episodes, mostly from NBC, considering its ownership thereof. And it is just looking like that. That's all we really have on it. So if we are paying $10 just for the privilege to have it on console, that doesn't really seem to be a good deal. But, uh, Randy, I don't know. It, pick it, it up? I, I might, actually. I mean, $10, sure, it's... Uh, um... You know, it seems like it's kind of a lot, considering that you're getting it for free streaming on your PC. But the but the big difference is you can't play what's on your PC. Most of us cannot play what's on your PC on your big screen in your in your room, you know, in your living rooms. But if you put it on your console, I mean, if you think about it, young gamers um, or young adults, I should say, so like you know, your twenty, your early twenties, um, really might cancel their their subscription to like Comcast or whoever their cable provider is, just get internet connection and just pay for Hulu. Mm. I mean, that's... Yeah, and these are coming to you in 720p high definition. Not the highest. It's not 1080p, but it's it's definitely HD. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the point is, TV is changing very fast. Oh, yeah. And I think that this is a huge and a great move on Hulu's behalf uh, and NBC's behalf to get themselves onto a console. Oh, absolutely. This is definitely what we're going to be seeing from a lot more companies. The the era of talent acquisition or um, outside partnerships is what's going to define the next few years in terms of dashboard and cross-media bar support, and that's even on the Wii. But right now, yeah. it's definitely – you're picking up anyone that's had success on the internet. Well, think about it this way, Gavin. If you uh, – say you did not have cable, okay, and um, and you had the opportunity to either buy your huge lump sum package for $120 a month – or you could piecemeal what you actually get sent to your TV and then pay a lower price. So, like, you would buy, like, your NBC package and your uh, a sports center package and your, you know, blankety-blank package. You know, the stuff that you only watch and then only pay, like, 50 bucks a month instead. Wouldn't you rather do that? Eh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really an active Hulu user, Hulu user to begin with, so... Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I'd have to see more for it. It doesn't seem like we're just going to be getting the same thing on on our console that we've been getting on PC. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called Hulu Plus. It would be called Hulu. True. So I'm interested to see exactly what's going to be happening with that, but um, uh, that's all we know right now. But keep it tuned to Elder Geek in the future for all the news about Hulu. But uh, (laughs) more importantly, and I think uh, this is why we had Randy on the show today, Rock Band 3 will apparently fix your horrible singing voice. I know I'm perfectly fine. I have perfect pitch, perfect tone, and everything like that. I get calls to sing back up for Celine Dion all the time, but there are some people... That play Rock Band three or Rock Band two that may not have the good voice. They can hit the notes, but it's more of a screech than an actual warble or vibrato. So apparently we got some exclusive shiny technology from Isotope, lowercase I instead of you know actual I. Then this will add real time pitch correction to Rock Band three gameplay. So this will just kind of um, equalize equalize the sound output to the microphone. So you're just not going to be sitting next to your uh, friend that's screeching like a harpy. I don't want them to fix that. I think I think it's the only way that a lot of these singers can hear themselves. <laughs> really you, you you want you're you're willing to keep on braving the 
the the ear blisters? I you know honestly, so many people. I have I I have seen more people get up and sing on Rock Band two and hear how shitty they sound and then correct themselves so that they don't sound so shitty. Like they'll turn down the volume of their voice or they'll get a little less. They'll get a little more shy about the mic, which is fantastic for the the bad singers. I don't want them to sound good through the TV, but still sound terrible in real life. Um, I don't want to encourage the bad singers. <laughs> okay, then. Sounds good. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, for me, I would prefer my ears not to bleed. But then again, I only hang out with people that can sing good on rock bands. So. Not me. Not As me like yeah. a, I, I, have a, I have a list of things that you need to have, and uh, good rock band 2 vocals are, are among them. Or if you don't... I gotta- I gotta say, I, I honestly think that Rock Band 2 vocals are probably what turned me off playing Rock Band the most. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it would be great if I could just, you know, have people hanging out with just the guitar and the drums. Shit. You know, I would I would even like it if I could set up three drums. But there are just some people where I wish I could just slap the microphone out of their hand and say, no, it's broken and you cannot sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all have people like that. So uh, <laughs> I'm in a new apartment with new roommates, so we're going to see how they stack up to my old people. But uh... Nice. Nice. Either way, it may be a, a feature you can turn on or off, but we'll see. This is, of course, still, you know, um, just basically out of the rumor stage at this point, and we haven't had any official word from Harmonics just yet. But it should be interesting to see where we're going with this. But let's return to the console that we always love to talk about, or the handheld that we always love to talk about. Let's talk about the PSP. We have a rumor here coming in from Kotaku that we could be getting TurboGrafx-16 games on our PSP. This comes with pretty much everything we're else getting on the PSP, but that we can also be getting stuff from Neo Geo. And that's all the rumor has right now, but it'd be pretty cool to have the original uh, Splatterhouse on my PSP. Do you think this yeah. is going to help at all? No. Nope. No? Not a bit. Not at all? Because most of the people that own the PSP are pirates anyway. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, true. They do. It's it's an awesome console to mod and, and put on, you know, ROMs and stuff. Absolutely. I, my uh, old PSP 1000 before it bricked on me. Oh, it was glorious. I had a emulator for everything. I've yeah, had, yeah, I even ran a couple GameCube games on there. Yeah. They were so, like, they were literally frame by frame, pixel by pixel slow, but I was still impressed with myself. <laughs> but so the point is, anybody that is going to remember those games, and anybody who's going to really want to play those games, is probably already playing them right now on their PSPs. Probably. You can't, you can't stop the dedicated. No, no, you really can't. They should have. They should have had that released a little bit sooner. I thought you were actually going to be talking about how the PSP actually has no plans for 3D. That is a story. Do you want to go on to that then? Do you want to skip ahead? Yeah, let's skip ahead. Let's actually talk about how Sony has no plans for 3D. And here's the story. A, yeah, it is a bit. It is a bit odd. But we have an interview from Scott um, Scott Road, the pres- vice president of Sony Worldwide Studios, saying that it's just not something we're announcing right now. So it's just as simple as that. It's all I can tell you. Very blunt. But uh, for a bit more and to actually why the delay is present, Kaz Hirai, of course, the uh, head of Sony Computer Entertainment, has said that based off internally conducted research, take that for the grain of salt it is, Naked Eye 3D for portables does not have high precision. And at present, there are limitations. So not only is he explaining why then it's not going to be a 3D PSP, he's actually calling out the 3DS too. I think. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you're going to be I getting. Think... Yeah, you're going to be getting our thoughts uh, through through Cello Davis, who uh, who is uh, the person on our team to get some hands-on time for 3DS. She did say there were some limitations, but I don't know. This seems like a pretty uh, stalwart position for Sony to be taking, especially Sony Corporate. It's not a gosh. It's 
Sony's in a position where they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. They're gonna, they're gonna, you know, take a hit from critics if, if they don't release a 3D system because the 3DS is gonna be out. And at the same time, it's kind of a smart move for them to let the 3DS come out first to see what they do wrong and learn from their mistakes. Um, so who knows? You know how it's it's actually going to go from here. It's it's kind of interesting. This this kind of ties back a little bit to the 3DS story that that hit earlier in the week too, saying that you know the final designs for the 3DS aren't in place just yet. That they're taking the feedback from E3's show and trying to put that into uh, into place. Yeah, um, the it was never really designed. I don't think um, Nintendo ever comes to E3 with final uh, with final hardware. If you recall, that's where we had the Revolution. It's where we had the Dolphin. It's where we had the Ultra 64. So um, I think that they're they are really just they came there with a prototype. I don't think it's going to change that much. It seemed pretty solid of a design, but yeah, it's not too much of a uh, of a stretch to believe that Nintendo uh, the 3DS is going to be tweaked at least a little bit. Yeah, but what do you think about the lack of 3D PSP? Do you think it's necessary just yet? No, I don't think so. I think uh, Sony's making the uh, the push on the. PS3 just because they have to with their investment into the Bravia line of 3D TVs. Um, I just don't. I think what, if it's successful, if they prove a formula with 3D and uh, get into that consumer mindset, if you associate Sony with 3D, absolutely, it's going to be natural for them to bring it to the handheld market. But as of right now, it's not really needed. I actually think, personally, for me, E3 almost looked like they were abandoning it. The the PSP in general, if they're not going to be if, if um, if there's not going to be a PSP2 at TGS or at Gamescom this year, I don't think we're gonna ex- we can really expect that much. I think they still have you know those eight to ten month games that they've been doing so far that need to be released just to get the profit back or at least get some cash back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not seeing them lasting much longer if they don't get some major changes. And I don't think 3D is the answer right now, so I'm not sure. I don't think. I think yeah, go ahead. I think I think I, I was gonna say I think it's a really damn good response. I think. Uh, I think that the end of the PSP actually might not be too far out of sight. And and to be honest with you, I think portable gaming has just changed so much since the advent of just the iPhone. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? We do have a rumor coming out. We do have a rumor coming out of a PSP 4000. It's not a PSP 2, but this is from a Japanese retailer saying that it just lists a site that um, says slates the PSP 4000 for release this year, um, probably a late 2010 launch. Again, this is in Japan, which would put our um, our receipt of it probably around March, sometime basically at the end of the this fiscal year. But other than that, this was just a name drop and a and a site listing. But then again, that's how we've gotten pretty much every other console. Um, the 360 Slim was was listed as a a site. On, yeah. a, on a retail site, so it could be interesting. It, is it a PSP2? Doesn't seem like that. They're, the 4000 moniker seems to be just you know a new iteration. But considering they're going back to the two, three, four thousand instead of the PSP Go Two or the PSP Go Two Thousand, it'd be interesting to see if it's real what it would mean. Yeah, yeah. It's, who knows? Yeah, it's, it's not the PSP phone, so I, I just don't know what they could do. I I'm with you. Or I I, I think. That they should just drop the PSP. I don't know. I, I think unless they are really, really prepared to make some major changes, they're probably going to have to. Yeah, it's it is a really badass little console. Um, just the the neat stuff that you can do with it and the PS3 is just awesome. But most of the most of the potential is, is never fully realized, um, and it's because it's too 
it's too much of a niche gimmick kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I, they, they've done the best that anyone else, aside from Nintendo, has done on the handheld market. And I think that's really impressive. But right. unfortunately, I don't see them going anywhere at this point. Nope. Sorry. Which is, which is sad. It, it's really sad. Like you said, it's a great, it's a great little console. And it, and it really should be doing much more than it is. I did, the, the piracy is killing them in software and they just really don't have an ability to do anything about it or they just don't have the will to make the, you know, the big enough changes that are needed at this point. No, definitely they, not. That's why they went all digital. And that's, um, as weird as that sounds, that was the reason they went all digital with the PSP Go. Was to uh, was to combat piracy. There was a lot more. Um, there was much much more of a what's the word? An infrastructure put in place uh, put in place with the PSP Go in terms of the downloads. Um, I can't really speak on the specifics. I, I'm looking at it right now and I can't read it. I literally can't read it. It's all in, it's all in <laughs> double speak. So I'll I'll probably figure a way to get it on the site somehow for those of you that would understand it. But it yeah. Um, what, what what would you say, Randy? If the PSP was literally sitting on its little tiny deathbed, you know, right now, next to you, yeah. and it, you, you can save it. You have you have the defibrillator. What what's the defibrillator? Is it is it 3D? Is it um, no. a phone application? Is it what is it? Is it there at all? I, I really don't think it's there, man. I mean, they've got some good killer apps. You know, they they did the God of War. You know, I mean, if, if God of War couldn't yeah. move units for it, then nothing could. Um, they did the Gran Turismo for it. They did, you know, Metal Gear. I mean, these Metal are Gear's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are all the titles that move consoles in the first place. You know, the big yeah. consoles, anyways. But they didn't. They didn't move PSPs. Um, so I don't know if there really is any saving the PSP Go or least, the PSP. Yeah. Let, let's put a caveat on this. In the Western markets, in ja- in Japan, the PSP is still doing, you know, reasonably well. Then right. if you compare it to the Western markets, you know, selling a, you know, one unit every day is pretty good. But no, I mean, in Japan, it's still doing relatively well. That's where it's had its most success and its most prominent sales figures. Um, so uh, hell, the Monster Hunter uh, entry on the PSP sold more there than pretty much every other AAA title in the states. So maybe they're just going to cut off the Western market. It seemed that way with E3. I think the big they, they the big hired issue. they hired the little kid from that very very bad Sean William Scott movie. I forget what it was. Step Brothers? No, not Step Brothers. No, 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 no. Uh, big Brothers? Uh, some something like that. No, something like yeah, that. the forgettable movie. So, I I am. It seems like they're really just kind of stepping off, letting it die, taking it, uh, you know, old yellowing it as, as it were. Well, here's here's honestly, I'm going to try to simplify it as as simple as I can without it being overly simplified. I think the big difference between the PSP and the um, Nintendo DS is is their markets that they're going after. The, the PSP, for the most part, is going after a slightly older demographic. They're going for the, I would probably say, the 15 and older crowd. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't you say 15 to maybe 30? Is oh, there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whereas the DS's ideal crowd is anywhere from 6 to 30. Um, but the, the biggest chunk being the six to 15 year olds, um, anybody who is 15, 16 or older, or I should say 16 or older is going to be driving to their place of work. (laughs) Most of us do not take public transportation as sad as it is, as readily available as public transportation is in most metropolitan cities in in the U S most people don't take, you know, 
public transportation. People that do take public transportation are going to be playing portable consoles. But that still leaves all the you know hundreds of thousands of little kids in the back seats of their mom's cars playing the Nintendo DS. And that's okay. why the DS is winning. It's not because the hardware is better. It's not because the games are better. It's because the audiences aren't there. There aren't that many people that are traveling by um, public transportation and gamers over the age of 16. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how much I agree with you on that. I don't know. Um, I, re- I remember reading a, uh, a stat that you know a lot of people, uh, the place where most portable gaming takes place is at home. So I'm not really, sure. yeah, so like like in the bedroom before they go to sleep, or like just on the couch while hanging out, that kind of yeah, thing. Probably. I mean, it's just something you can whip out in, uh, on the commercial breaks. So, hmm. yeah, it it doesn't surprise me too much that that's where most of it's being played. I just don't. Uh, I just think literally it's piracy. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I, and of course you know that Nintendo name. Uh, with portables port, uh, in the portable industry is just king. There is yeah. no, there's no beating it. And the console has competition, but it's it made the industry. This is the progenitor. This is the prophet of the industry. It, it, it made it. So it's just very difficult to go up to uh, go up against the beast. But yeah, I think we've uh, gone in the roundabout a, a bit a bit too much on this one. I I think we've made our opinions known. If, yeah, absolutely. But uh, Randy. They took my idea. Who? Well, okay, give me a second. Let me actually see who did. Um, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's uh, one of the thousands of smaller uh, production companies. But Radar Pictures are going to be making a Mafia Wars movie. They took my idea. Mafia Wars, the game Mafia. that was basically based on Godfather, is yes. going to be having a movie made on it. Uh, reportedly going to be adapted into a full-length feature <clears> film, <throat> and this is according to Pajaba. Um, I have no idea who they are. It just, yeah, they're just trade. They're just trade nudes across all media boards. So not necessarily completely out of left field. We're not getting this, you know, from a, a, Hong, uh, a Hong Kong site that has like 30, <laughs> 30 hits every month. But uh, apparently, it's going to be a crime thriller. It's no surprise hmm. there. But I like it. I, I, I actually when I first started playing this, I'm like, it's so simple. It could be pretty much just thrown on any storyline and make sense. Because you have all the best, you have all the best components here. I mean, really, there's no story to mess up. So uh, you have, you just have, you know, a competition between the Irish, Taiwanese, um, Italian, um, Brooklyn Irish, all these different mobs. Just any stereotype of hand uh, you ha- you can think of, just coming together in a giant battle. What's not to like? Hmm. Very simple, and it's very and it's very easy to just adapt to pretty much anything. All you need to do is just have, you know them discussing various jobs that they do. And then you have pretty much all of Mafia Wars combi- uh, confined to one line, you know, one line explanation. Hmm. I like it. <laughs> I, I Honestly, Mafia movies always sell well. Oh, yeah. They're, it doesn't matter how bad they are. They always seem to sell pretty well. So that'd be pretty darn cool. Yeah. And this is coming supposedly from producer Ted Field, who did The Box and The Invention of Lying. With uh, Ricky Gervais, so I never saw the box. Did I you? Didn't t- no, and it looked really cool. It did. It, it did. got. It was really panned, but it looked really cool. So I'm not exactly <laughs> sure where I sit on it right now. But <laughs> if ever, if I can ever watch it for free on Netflix, I'll probably watch it. <laughs> I'll get it on Hulu when it comes to PS3. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was actually one announcement that uh, I thought I thought you were going to backtrack to, but I, I totally misread you, Gavin. You're a sneaky fucker. I am. Um, you are. It is actually that um, uh, shit. What site was it? Uh, there, there was a French 
Uh, uh, Amazon? Yes, yes, yes. Um, let me see. Yeah, Amazon probably .fr. So, yeah, the French version of Amazon. And I know exactly where you're going, and I'm going to co-opt you here and give you the story because it's something that we've all wanted, and it should have been at E3. But uh, Amazon.fr is listing the Team Ico Collection on their site. The, H- the HD combination of both Ico and Shadow of the Colossus on one Blu-ray disc, a la the God of War collection. And it is listed for a price of £69.65, which is very extravagant. But keep in mind, we're not doing direct translation of funds here. It's probably going to be around, what do you think? Uh, God of War was 30 or was it 40 God of War was 40 at release. 40? I, I'm, so I'm assuming it'd be the same. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's, yeah. People in England kind of get screwed with game, with game prices. Yeah, then again, they're, 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 yeah. Their taxes, their taxes is very different than the States. But, um, yeah, this is, would be awesome. And yes, the Team Ico collection, one Blu-ray. Yeah. Yes. It's it's kind of funny that you actually earlier in the show we were actually talking about how finding things out through online retailers or yep. just retailers in general is like the new way of leaking information. Yep. And so there's a pretty good chance that this is going to be real. Oh, absolutely. What I'm thinking right now, my prediction, pretty straightforward. We're going to get our shadow. Of, uh, we're going to get uh, Last Guardian at TGS. We're going to get a release date for Last Guardian at TGS. And supplementally, uh, supplementarily, we're going to get a six months prior, or maybe a little bit before or after that, pri- um, prior to the release of Last Guardian, they're going to be Team Ico Collection on Blu-ray. Here's my prediction. Team Ico pro- uh, Collection for Holiday, Last Guardian for April slash May release. Sounds pretty standard. Yeah, pretty, I, yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. Pretty good. I don't know. It leaves leaves Last Guardian out of the cold. That's not, that's a pretty notorious time to release a game considering the summer and holiday markets. But if any game can do it, it's Last Guardian. That's not I a don't... game. That's not a game that you can really throw it on Walmart. This is going to be, you know, this is the Criterion collection of games. So it's gonna it's gonna sell based on its pedigree alone. Yeah, I I think it'll probably do well. And and I also think that we gamers as a whole are kind of swaying away from the whole not buying games in the summer market because... Uh, we, as in W-E, not W-I-I. Yes, that that is correct. We, as in W-E. But uh, I think Red Dead Redemption just crushed that that rule this year. You know. Well, again, that's, that's pedigree. That's Rockstar. True enough. True enough. But Rockstar, uh, I, yeah, you know, Rockstar could release a game titled Rockstar Team Taking a Shit. And it would sell regardless of when it would. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Red Dead Redemption was a gigantic gamble, I think, for them because it was set in the Wild West and people weren't, you know, really sure if they wanted to play I think a that western. That was all in everyone's head. I think it was in the collective analyst head. You really can't, um, you really can't take away from that uh, Rockstar name. It's the Tarantino of games. It is the uh, Troublemaker Studios of games. This is, if there is any studio that has the cred with the hardcore it is rockstar so i really don't think it's mar- it's released window really played that much of a factor and i think it was just you know a lot of heat that was generated on the analyst side that kind of carry over into the news reporting side unfortunately yeah well i i honestly think just based on the visuals alone of what we've seen of the last guardian if they just aired a tv spot of that or month oh, yeah. before the game released just based on the preview that we saw of E3 from last year, we'll, we'll sell that. Hell, just really put, a, yeah, put the most emotionally charged moments of that trailer into one minute. You got Absolutely. It. Absolutely. It didn't even need to be words. I, I showed no. that off to tons of gamers. They're like, a tons of non-gamers, they're like, I want that. I don't Absolutely. know what it is, but I want it. I'm like, that's where you go. 
and yeah, yeah, I am completely in agreement. I think that's what needs to happen. So we get to get T. Michael on the phone and see if we can get a little <laughs> bit of a marketing share going on here. I think we could really pull it off. Yeah, I mean, if there is one thing, it's it's games over here. Games in the United States market completely backwards. It almost seems as though the games that you see the most commercials for suck. And the games that you don't see that many commercials for are awesome, you know. Or which is why we should have taken the hint when Alpha Protocol started its marketing push. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like this is all, this has so many commercials. I'm so happy to see. That. Oh, oh, you know what the last game was that I thought of where I was like, wow, I'm seeing so many commercials for this, but this is going to be so awesome. Was Dark Sector, which Ooh. I enjoyed, but it was a pile of crap. Oh, it really was. It really was. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Glade was cool. Glade was cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but still, that that's just proof to it. Like, most games that you see a ton of commercials for are going to end up like crap. Yeah. This has been a very foreign market-centered episode here. We've got from France, we got Korea, and we got UK now. We're going back to Europe because okay. <laughs> the United Kingdom has cut a proposed video game tax break. Such a shame. We got, we got these tax breaks all over Europe, and especially in the States, specific markets, where developers get tax credits, tax rights, tax write-offs and the like for you know putting up a business within the area it's just an incentive that they give to many other companies and it's just a sign of legitimacy for video game development but unfortunately chancellor george osborne just took it by the balls and castrated it right now at in a westminster speech said that the planned tax relief for the video game industry will be canceled they're very Uh, blunt over there and uh, unfortunately tgia T-I-G-A, sorry, I almost made it sound like T-G-I-F, but no, um, this is an organization representing the industry in the UK, has of course come out and lambasted the uh, the chancellor for it, stating that this, this goes against a lot of political party promises to support and introduce a games tax relief. And of course, you know, politicians making promises they don't upkeep are, is very rarely news, but still sad to see here. Um, however... Those that want to get in on UK tax relief do have a couple loopholes to get into, but having this, you know, upfront tax relief system for the video game industry in UK would have been very good, especially considering that they only have, you know, those, they only have what Lionhead and a couple other big studios to their country's name. Yeah, that that is really, really a shame. Um, and I actually kind of wonder if Lionhead's going to pick up and move the hell out. Does Lionhead even still exist, actually? Lionhead, yeah, of course, they're making Fable Three. Oh, shit, that's right. Yeah, Peter Molyneux shit. I mean, yeah, he's moved on to uh, Microsoft Game Studios, but Minehead is a subsidiary of Microsoft Game Studios, I believe. If not if not officially, then unofficially. Then, like, an affiliate or something like that. Absolutely. But, yeah. So, um, I don't know if they will. I think they're very centered there, and they've already been there for long enough, so they've probably already got comfortable with taxes. This uh, Tax relief is and tax breaks are just about um, getting new businesses rooted into the into the community that's all it really that's all it really does because after a while you're going to get tax breaks from pretty much just being an established built uh, established business you know once uh, five ten fifteen years down the road you just right. get there for you know considering uh, continuing to be there being a pal you know so unfortunately the, um i don't see anyone leaving i definitely don't see a lot of game companies especially upstart game companies moving or working in london or um westminster or bath or any of the or any of these other major cities that ideally would have been a nice place for all these industries i think uh, they're going to keep coming back to either the pacific northwest here or move about uh, europe probably um or especially canada canada or canada yeah yeah toronto um major markets so um, you're you're not going to see you're not going to see ubisoft opening up a a london branch is, is basically what it's boiling down to 
nope, unfortunately not. And I think this is really going to bite the UK government in the ass. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, especially is, since yeah. so many other countries are very open to it. Like, uh, Germany is, is very supportive of their gaming community. Poland is even very supportive of it. Oh, yeah. But, uh, wow, the hell, UK. <laughs> and, and especially considering the game, the game industry is gonna, is already surpassing every other entertainment industry. I'm not exactly sure what motivated this, this tax relief cutoff. I mean, it was never, it was never guaranteed. Let's make, let's be, let's be clear on that. It was never, you know, a guaranteed thing that they then took off. It was just a proposed that they were uh, considering for the new year, and unfortunately, it just didn't make it into the budget. This doesn't mean that they're not going to do it next year, and if what we're saying is true, they're definitely going to realize their mistake very soon. Right. But, yeah, it's their loss. And I think um, I'm seeing a lot of much smaller um, countries investing in the games industry, and I think that's very smart for them. I think that's what they need to do. In order, to, you know, it'll drive up their economy like no other. So maybe UK's loss is Brazil's gain. Who knows? Who point. knows? Yeah. Well, we have time for probably one more show. Do we? Have, or one more uh, news item? Are we out, or do we? Do we have? No, one? We got one more. Let's bring it back to the states here. Let's bring it back to the White House specifically. We talked about piracy a little bit here, but um, now the big guys are getting in. This is FBI stuff now. The White House has announced a. Excuse me, big, a big intake of breath. Joint strategic plan on intellectual property enforcement. Ugh, that's not right. That's and what, they're they're actually going to be targeting more the, uh, not so much the individual individual end user. So, um, you know, not saying that the people who are downloading don't need to sweat, but they're basically trying to push their thumb down very hard on sites that are supporting piracy. Oh yeah, but it still means a lot if you if you're a downloader. This is yes. yeah. They're allocating funds to all over the place, especially the FBI. And they've been cracking down prior. The don't go around. The FBI has a bit, excuse me, sitting in the background twiddling their thumbs the, the past couple of years. But they're in it now, and they're in it big. So I'm not sure. BitTorrent is probably shaking right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I would assume so. I would assume so. At least until you know the government has something better to kind of you know bitch about. But yeah, piracy is the new hot topic for the government, and so just watch what you download. Absolutely. Mom, I think that probably about does it for this week. What do you think, bud? I think so. I, I, I'm with you. I just want to throw out a mention there. Keep it tuned to uh, Elder Geek in the next couple of days. We are, of course, <laughs> posting all the greatest high-quality videos of Portal 2's E3 demo. It's been a major success for the site. Thank you all very much. Just make sure to keep coming back because you know it's the best when it's at Elder Geek. Absolutely. We also have upcoming soon... Hopefully, fingers damn crossed, a video review for Blur and for Lego Harry Potter. Um, I think Elliot has handed in all his video reviews for the week. But still, this week we've actually had a pretty damn good showing and and, uh, a lot more on the plate for next week, too. Absolutely. That includes more previews coming in um, just for all all across the board. Um, Woo! Just a couple off the top of my head. Fallout New Vegas, Mafia 2, Rock Band 3, Sonic Colors, Vanquish. All the good stuff, Frank, all coming to you from us in preview style. So, Yay, Elder Geek! Yep, and some of those will even be videos. Ooh. Yay, Elder Geek! <laughs> yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well, Randy. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. All right, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. Again, this was issue number 56. If I'm wrong about that, I don't fucking care, and I will talk to everybody next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. It was 57. I'm reading 51. <laughs> Yahoo! You're all clear, kid! I love it!